The 17 News at Noon podcast is brought to you by Clinica Sierra Vista. Welcome back to 17 News at Noon podcast, where we share your news on your schedule. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us. I'm Alex Fisher. It is day 28 of the manhunt for an accused child killer who escaped jail. Tyrone Johnson and David Palms, who are suspected of killing three-year-old Major Sutton, escaped jail in the early morning hours of April 28th. Palms was captured later in the morning, but Johnson has been on the loose since. And today we're learning how the two escaped. 17's Jason Katowski joins us now to explain what we've learned so far. And Jason, you've been following this case since the very beginning. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Sheriff Donna Youngblood sat down with us uh, on 17 News at Sunrise, called this escape an embarrassment, pretty vague on details. You've been able to look at the court documents. What do they say? Well, one of the new pieces of information that we have from these documents is that Johnson and Palms created makeshift dummies that they placed in their bunks uh, to give their, the appearance that they were in there sleeping. Uh, now, this gave them a head start because an initial head count was ordered after noises were heard on the roof of the facility. Um, those noises were initially believed to be maybe from a raccoon or a cat, according to the documents. Um, and it wasn't until later when a review of surveillance footage was conducted that they could see two inmates running across the roof and then jumping to flagpoles right outside the facility, sliding down the flagpoles. An emergency headcount was ordered at that point where deputies woke up each of the inmates. They got to Johnson and Palm's cell. They went inside, they threw back the blankets, and what they found were uh, bags filled with liquid to simulate bodies and beanies filled with newspaper and toilet paper for heads. Um, deputies also at that point found an 18 by 18 inch hole in the ceiling uh, where the metal of the ceiling had been cut and pulled down. And uh, that's, it's apparently where the men got into the air vents and then to the roof. Now, we've previously been told uh, how they slid down a flagpole making their escape. Um, and, but this point was the first time that we've heard about the, the noises and how they were at first misunderstood to be maybe an animal instead of an inmate escape. Now, Palms was captured at a Dollar General by Shafter Police. He's due in court on Friday. Johnson, of course, is still at large. And one other piece of information is that a burglary occurred shortly after uh, this escape. It's believed to have been done uh, by one of the two men in which a homeowner confronted a man outside his, uh, outside his residence uh, trying to break into his vehicle. And it turns out that the man had his keys. He was able to grab a backpack from the man. He chased him. And in the backpack were keys that uh, the resident said had been on his kitchen counter. So this person had made it inside his house stolen the keys in the backpack and was trying to get away when confronted. It's believed that it was either Johnson or Palms in that situation. And when is he doing court? Uh, Palms is doing court this Friday for arraignment on the escape charges. All right, and he can uh, find more on this story on our website, KGET.com. Jason Kodowski, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. In other news, this afternoon we've learned the name of the man killed at a local motel last week. The county coroner says David Allison was shot at the Vagabond Inn last Tuesday night. Police say the 23-year-old had been shot multiple times. Officers searched for the shooter, and the next day, police and the alleged gunman, 24-year-old Billy Gleghorn, were in a six-hour standoff. Police eventually arrested Gleghorn, but a murder charge was never filed against him. The district attorney's office says the case has substantial issues of self-defense, and they say the killing may be justified. Gleghorn is charged for a separate carjacking that happened after the shooting and for allegedly having a gun as a felon. 
A man is still on the run this or this afternoon after leading deputies on a pursuit through Oildale, crashing into a canine patrol car and then running off. According to the sheriff's office, it all started around 1045 last night when a deputy tried to pull over a car for a traffic violation. That driver led KCSO and CHP on a pursuit in the area of Sequoia Drive and Beardsley Avenue. The driver crashed into a fence before reversing and crashing into a KCSO canine patrol car. Deputies say the man eventually took off and deputies were not able to find him. No one was hurt. If you know anything about this incident, you're asked to call KCSO at 861-3110. A suspect is dead in a shootout with deputies after a police chase and a nearly 12-hour standoff. It all started around 7 o'clock Sunday night with the California Highway Patrol chasing a car in the Paso Robles area. The suspect stopped near Highway 33 and Devil's Den Road right next to the Kern County line. CHP officers say the suspect confronted them while wearing a tactical vest and armed with a gun. Around 7.30, the Kings County SWAT team and Crisis Resolution team responded, trying to get the suspect to surrender peacefully. Then around 7 o'clock yesterday morning, after a standoff that lasted nearly 12 hours, the Kings County Sheriff's Office says the suspect fired at least one round at them. Law enforcement returned fire, killing the suspect. The Sheriff's Office has not yet identified the suspect or provided further details about this case. The Bakersfield Police Department is cracking down on street racing, and they say they want your input. The department is hosting a virtual town hall tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. They will discuss the issues surrounding the growing problem of street racing, plus ongoing enforcement efforts. They also want to hear your questions and concerns. To register, just head to bakersfieldcity.us. Police had no problem finding distracted drivers and speeders on the Westside Parkway yesterday. Officers handed out about 150 citations during a speed enforcement operation. BPD and CHP were on the lookout from 6 a.m. till noon. 138 tickets were issued for speeding, 10 for distracted driving, and 7 for seatbelt violations. Police say they impounded two cars. This morning, Bakersfield Congressman and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy joined a chorus of those denouncing Congresswoman Marjorie Greene after her comparisons of COVID-19 rules to the Holocaust. Leader McCarthy released a statement calling her remarks appalling and that House Republicans condemn her language. There was no mention of any punishment, however, for her remarks. Taylor Green on Tuesday tweeted a comparison between vaccinated grocery workers wearing logos on their name badges to Nazis forcing European Jews to wear yellow stars of David on their clothing. And in a recent interview, she compared a House floor mask mandate to Nazi treatment of Jews and the Holocaust. Green has come under repeated criticism for her previous promotion of QAnon conspiracy theories and her harassment of gun safety advocates and Democratic members of Congress. The House in February voted to remove her from all her committee assignments. Today marks one year since the murder of George Floyd and memorials are planned around the country. Also, President Biden is set to meet with members of his family later today. Floyd's death is still fueling urgent calls for the federal police reform promised by the president, but it is now stalled in Congress. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez has more from Minneapolis. There are remembrances planned here at George Floyd Square throughout the day, and Minnesota's governor is calling for a period of silence, nine minutes and 29 seconds. Of course, that's the amount of time that former officer Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck. 
Now, members of the Floyd family are heading to Washington today and are expected to meet with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as well as President Biden. Some members of the Floyd family tell me that they are disappointed that Congress could not pass a federal police reform bill before President Biden's self-imposed deadline, which was supposed to be today. Now, one of the key sticking points appears to be potentially ending qualified immunity, making it easier for people to sue police officers. Many Republicans don't want that added to the bill. Still, many activists say they are willing to hold out to keep it in. As for Minneapolis, this is a changed city, even from a few weeks ago, before the guilty verdict. The barbed wire and the National Guard troops are gone, but there are still people here that desperately want to see changes to policing around this country. Now, Derek Chauvin's sentencing is scheduled for later next month, and the trial for the three other officers involved in this case has been moved until next year. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, Minneapolis. Moderna says its COVID-19 vaccine is safe and appears to be effective in adolescents. In a trial of nearly 4,000 children ages 12 to 17, blood tests showed that the vaccine produced an immune response that was equivalent to earlier findings in adults. Observations found that none of the children who received the vaccine got sick with COVID-19 starting 14 days after their second dose. Those results have not been peer-reviewed or published. Now to the latest coronavirus pandemic in, here, in Kern County. Public Health reported 62 new cases today and two new deaths. Seven people have died in May alone. The state reports 25 people are in the hospital with more severe symptoms. Five people are in the ICU. Meantime, Kern County will remain in the orange tier of COVID-related restrictions. Our local health officials gave an update this morning. They say our adjusted case rate is the only thing holding us back. That means the virus is still spreading in our community to people who have not been vaccinated. Health officials say a little more than a third of our county's eligible population are considered fully immune. That is below the rest of the state and nation. County fire officials continue to investigate multiple suspicious fires in East Bakersfield. There were four fires in a 12-hour period yesterday, targeting cypress and palm trees, of all things. One yesterday afternoon was set on College Drive. I got a call from my wife. She said uh, cypress tree in the front yard was on fire, and by the time I got home, they were all up. I was sitting in my backyard. I saw some smoke, uh, and then I noticed that my front tree was on fire. By the time I got all the way to the front, the second one had lit like a match. It just was Heather Spring was inside her home with her two-year-old baby and 80-year-old father. No one was hurt. Her home escaped damage as well. A tree across the street also went up in flames. And not far away, two more cypress trees torched. And a couple blocks east of there, the target was palm trees. Late Sunday night, the suspected arsonist hit home on Country Club Drive, setting fire to four other cypress trees that are well over 50 years old. County Fire says they are investigating, but don't know yet if the fires are connected. Anyone with information is asked to call 1-800-FIRE-TIP. And with fire season underway, Governor Gavin Newsom is trying to make big investments toward preventing and responding to wildfires. This year, Newsom is proposing $2 billion for emergency preparedness, including $800 million toward emergency response and $1.2 billion toward fire prevention. 
Funding also includes money for an extra 1,400 firefighters to stay on through the end of the fire season. We actually have more firefighters uh, on the ground going into peak season than we ever have before. State lawmakers have until June 15th to approve these funds and the rest of the state budget. A big show of patriotism and a local favorite will return to Bakersfield this holiday weekend. Last year, the Thousand Flags event at the Park at Riverwalk was canceled due to the pandemic, but this year it's back. Bakersfield Breakfast Rotary Club says the flags will be waving proudly from Saturday at noon through 4 p.m. on Monday, Memorial Day. No ceremony will be held for the holiday, but you are invited to stop by the Rotary booth and sponsor a flag in memory or in honor of your heroes. Flag sponsorships are $50. The 17 News at Noon podcast is a production of KGET and Nexstar Media Group. For more on all of the headlines in today's show, head to KGET.com.